the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode. We're doing two episodes this week of Some Sanity. This is Morgan Zeggers. And today we're doing a little uh, Ask Me Anything, a little Q&A, because I get a lot of the same questions. And usually they're just like via DM or email and or text and stuff like that from people that just reach out casually. But I get so many of the same frequent ones <laughs> that I was like, all right, let's let's take these and do the first Q&A sesh. And then um, I'll open up some way for you guys to send more specific questions as we go on in time. But the first one, it kind of relates to something that I actually wanted to talk to you guys about anyways, a little housekeeping um, about dating. So I don't talk about this usually, but I know we're in the culture wars, baby. And so we've got to be more comfortable about talking about these things because the divorce rate, like half the people that get married these days get divorced. Even conservatives, there's a lot of problems in the conservative movement. There's there's so many things happening behind the scenes and we all wonder how have we gotten to this point as a society. And to me, I think that it starts with individuals, individual level problems, strong individuals versus weak, uh, morally strong and morally weak in many ways. And when you're broken as an individual and then you enter and try and build a family, what's that, what's that going to do? So I think strong individuals lead to strong families, lead to strong communities, lead to a strong America. I say that so many times. And that means if you are looking for that first way to make a change in our nation, then you need to start with yourself. Are you holding yourself accountable? Are you being the moral person that you want to strive to be? Are you being somebody that would be a good parent one day? Are you somebody like, if you're in the dating field, I am really into it now of thinking like, okay, if I ever date someone again, if I ever date someone again, if I ever date someone again, I will always look at them as the potential future father of my child. That's, that's the only way. And I actually, once I took on this mindset, I started turning down a lot of dates. So like I, I would, I have some people say like, say yes to every date and then just, you know, get to know them and you'll learn what you want and don't want out of all of it. But for me, it's just, I had some dates on the calendar. And then as soon as I started to really embrace this mindset of like, this could potentially be the future father of my kids. Do I even want a first date? I, I started just being like, no, I know if I'm an intentional dater, I know that I'm just not going to go through with this. So I started just not going. Um, and that's a personal choice. Some people like to do the the ones where they're even a little iffy about it. I'm just, I'm not interested in, in wasting my time or their time. It's just good about being upfront. But when we talk about dating specifically for this, I, I wanted to bring it up because I, recently did something that I was super uncomfortable with. Uh, I've never felt so anxious. Like I, I communicate for a living. I get paid to do this. <laughs> and usually I get paid to talk about politics. And when I'm talking about marriage and politics and, and more cultural things and family and babies, it's from that political angle or from that just, you know, wholesome angle. It's never about like personal stuff. And so Alex Clark asked me and Isabel, Isabel Brown is a contributor to Turning Point. She hosts Frontlines, on the Frontlines. Uh, Alex is the host of Poplitics at Turning Point, and she hosts the new podcast called The Spillover, which she describes as the older, more mature uh, sister of Poplitics. And so Alex asked Isabel and I to come on The Spillover to talk about um, dating. And would, she asked, you know, would you be willing to talk about more personal stuff? Would you be willing to share stories? For me, I've, I have some stories, but does that mean I'm going to share them on the spillover, no. And so we came to an agreement, the three of us, of, okay, these are important things to talk about. There's a lot of young girls out there that are going through, whether it's like they're on college campuses and they're being pushed through the hookup culture, or they are conservative women and they're, they're confused as to how guys that are also in the conservative movement say certain things, but then don't actually want to act on them on their own. And it, us, you know, us three women, we believe the best way to move forward as a movement and as a country is to have strong families, strong individuals and, and build strong children. 
So where's the breakdown in that? And if we believe these things, we say them and when we're sitting behind a microphone, but why aren't we acting? So we agreed to come on and talk about the concepts, not the details. And so that's the first thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to modern dating. Why are we so toxic with each other? <laughs> I, I think humans are strange in the sense that like when something traumatic or sad happens to them, now people will go and, and turn on their selfie camera on their phone and film them crying and then like either save it and then mash it together with footage of them happy later on and then post it as a TikTok of like, look at my glow up <laughs> or, or they'll, I've seen something where a couple and this personal choice, a couple had a, a, mis, a miscarriage and then they, they decided to take a selfie video of them crying and talking to the camera as if the camera was the passed away baby. And I just, I see that stuff and I go fascinating fascinating. It's like when I'm at events with young people and I just kind of see their behavior and I go fascinating. And then I go home and and I'm in bed at nine o'clock at night. (laughs) Um, but there's just so many things about human culture that fascinate me these days because of social media. And one of those things is sharing way too much. And so I know a lot of people and I am personally like this. I'm like scared to accidentally meet the wrong person that's going to then like broadcast all of the private stuff online because there are people that do that. Like there are people, there are harassers, there are scary people. There are people that are just so mentally uh, underdeveloped that they think that this is a good course of action. They're just so immature that they think that that's the case. And when you're first dating someone, they show you a really good version of themselves. Right. And then you never really know what that person's going to be like post breakup until you are in that era of post breakup. And that can be scary for a lot of people, especially in 2021, where it's like, why do we do this to each other? And so what sparked the conversation um, for the spillover with Alex and Isabel is Abby Shapiro had tweeted something about how she doesn't have sympathy or something for for girls that need love or uh, sad songs, breakup songs. And that if you need breakup songs and you're sad, then it means that you weren't intentionally dating to begin with. And so like we wouldn't need breakup songs if everybody intentionally dated and just something like that, where it's like, if it just really rubbed me the wrong way, Alex was really rubbed the wrong way. And so is Isabel, because it just came across as really, um, lacking empathy because dating, in a non-intentional way is not the only reason why people have breakups and heartbreak. (laughs) And so that that's part of what we end up talking about. And the episode comes out this week. Um, it's coming out very shortly. So keep an eye on the spillover. Um, but part of that is like, I, I personally, I said, I half agree with her statement that big breakup songs are unnecessary and bad. But then I also disagree because they're not like dating unintentionally is not the only reason that people experience heartbreak. And if someone wants to listen to a sad song, let them listen to a sad song. One of my favorite sad songs is um, Pretty Ugly by Jenna Paulette, I think is her name. So I follow her on Instagram and she has this song about like, (laughs) like after a breakup, you're in the house and you have to like fill in the nails from where you had pictures hanging the nail holes and then you have to paint over it. And then like the, the bedside table stand is dusty and you got to wipe it off. And like that, that's the kind of stuff where it's like relatable. Um, but I have a huge problem and I think, you know, two things can be true at the same time. That's a good breakup song, you know, it helps you get through and, and it's just something where you could be like, yeah, that sucked. Um, I drank a lot of wine, but the other side of that is that there are so many toxic breakup songs and there's this toxic culture around relationships where like, okay, so I mean, I, I see things sometimes of like girls attacking the new girlfriend of their ex-boyfriend from forever ago. Why do we care? Why do we want to bring this random woman harm and negativity and toxicity? Why do we want after this man is out of our lives to bring him negativity and harm and toxicity. Why do we want to continue the negativity when it could end with us? And I'm, I'm literally, I'm calling whoever's listening to this. I bet you, you've wanted this. You've wanted your ex to suffer. And this is why I have a problem with these breakup songs. Cause it's all about like, Oh, you cheated on me. Now I hope you get cheated on by this woman that you're with, or you did X, Y, Z to me. I hope the same thing happens to you. I hope you get what's coming to you. I, I, I listen to these songs and I'm like, 
why do we celebrate these lyrics? <laughs> like, what are we teaching in that way where it's like, okay, so this deeply hurt me and impacted me. Now I hope you, f- you have the same experience a year down the road and that just continues on to this negative cycle. And so I, I really challenge you guys to not fall into that mindset when you're going through something like that. Because I, and I'm not saying anybody like does it. I, I haven't done it. I luckily I haven't had a situation where an ex has been super toxic to me, but I see it all around us. I see it as this general culture of, okay, you don't want to be with me. I'm going to ruin you. I'm going to hope that your life sucks. I'm going to hope that your next relationship fails. And I hope that they hurt you. And I hope that they break you down. And it's like, what? Why would we want that for any other humans? Why that? It's just such a strange thing. And so I, I not- challenge you guys to take on that mentality. And you know what? While so many breakup songs are super toxic, I hope that we also don't take on the mentality of Abby Shapiro, where it's like now we judge anybody who needs to listen to a sad breakup song <laughs> because we're going to accuse them of not intentionally dating. You can intentionally date, and then it still um, might not work out. So just- and then the other aspect of that too is is like, why did I tell Alex that I'm not going to share information? Why am I not going to tell personal stories? Why am I only going to talk about concepts? Because it's not my story to tell. Because it's not something that I feel comfortable talking about just because I have an online image, uh, a, a following because I, I do media work relating to politics and relating to marriage and relating to family and, and American values and the nuclear family specifically. It does not mean that I need to share my personal life. And I feel like people get a little too in the weeds of that, of what should be shared and what shouldn't. And honestly, I, I just tell you guys, whether you have a large following or not, there is a lot of value to be found in privacy. There's a lot of value to be found in privacy. So that's my thoughts on that. Also, who wants to be sad and talk about old stories? But like I said, the episode with Isabel and Alex and I talking about, again, not sharing like detailed war stories, but just kind of talking about the concepts as a whole and and how we can as a country move forward and build stronger families, stronger individuals. And that really starts with re-embracing certain concepts of marriage and children and celebrating those things. Um, That's coming out this week. So I hope you listen to it. And uh, thank you, Alex, for having us on. Now, I, I did a podcast episode on this recently. The next question is, what are your thoughts on boss babe culture? I get this question all the time. If you haven't listened to my podcast full episode on it, I suggest you do it. But just a quick recap, you guys. I think, again, on this, two things can be true at the same time. First of all, boss babe culture is super toxic. I don't know why pop culture and I don't know why the left, they continue to drive home this anti-family, anti-children, anti-literally just values and, and virtue, like monogamous relationships. They continue to drive these things away from young women in their minds, telling them that they, they don't need those things to be happy. They don't need those things to be fulfilled. Now, are they required for you as an individual person to feel fulfilled and satisfied in life and to feel like you have a purpose? No, you should understand that as a wonderfully made, individually made human, made by God, you are very, very full of of value. You are worth something more than just what th- this material world will tell you you are worth. You're, and what I like to say is like for all the girls out there, if you have an understanding of your self-worth versus your self-esteem and that, that self-esteem will come from how many likes you get, how many followers you get, how skinny you are, what the boys at school think about you. Does this boy even like me or not? Don't base your value on if a guy likes you or not, or, uh, what are, what's the gossip about me at school? How far am I in my career? Don't base your self-esteem on those things And also don't base your self-worth on those things. So your self-worth should come from knowing that you're an individually made uh, woman. Now, the problem with all of this is as as we are saying that boss babe culture is toxic, as we are saying that femininity and motherhood and family life and home life should be re-embraced, It's also important for us to understand how conservative values, how traditional values led to the sexual revolution in the late 20th century. So women used to not even be respected for their opinions. They used to not even be able to vote recently, but they used to not be able to even voice their concerns or be a part of things or 
seek a job. You used to be able to be a teacher, a secretary, uh, a nurse. Those were your options. And I used to talk to the older women in my family about this of like, that's my potential life. What do I want to choose? And for, for me, I completely understand how those women back then were feeling. So if you read The Feminine Mystique, it talks about how the women in the 1950s were basically going crazy because they were told, shut the F up, stay in the kitchen, raise the kids, and don't talk to me as the husband. Like, like you will have dinner ready for me. I will come home from work after doing the important things. You will not be involved in anything. That is your role in society. And because in America, we have achieved this massive level of economic independence, economic strength, and individual liberty, women are now given the opportunity to no longer be forced to do that. And so technically, if I wanted to, I, Morgan Zeggers, could say, I'm never going to get married. I might adopt a kid one day and just live with that child, but I don't want to have kids. I don't want to get married. I am going to do my career, pay for everything myself, function as a career woman, buy my own home, pay for my own bills, and then live the rest of my life like this. There's nothing stopping me from doing that. That's important. It's a choice that I could make. What I'm arguing is that that choice is a very serious choice to make. And unfortunately, pop culture magazines and all these different things that are promoting certain messages to young women are telling young women that that's the smarter choice for them to make. I'm telling you, and the science will tell you, that you will enjoy life so much more if you have purpose beyond just yourself, if you're serving others. And it's our womanly instinct to provide for others, specifically to build our family and take care of our family. That's where we are having that disconnect. Boss babe culture rejects the science that shows that women will be happier when we aren't, you know, we're not serving our man in that way of like, oh, we're a slave and, and we don't have any value. We have purpose and service and certain skills and and drive in our our bones that tells us that we will feel more fulfilled and thrive in certain environments. And I always, I encourage you guys to think it like this. And I, I, I say this a lot. I knew I wasn't supposed to be in the relationship that I was in when we had this exchange. I said, what you're asking from me I imagine myself agreeing to this and being happy with it for now and being like, okay, this works. But when I'm 40, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70 years old, I see myself being depressed, childless, husbandless, and overall unfulfilled and unhappy in all of those later stages of my life. I'm 24 right now. And I think like that because I live intentionally and I live not with like a plan that I must meet these deadlines, but I just know that that's not the kind of life that I want to live. And so I want you guys to imagine this is more than just being a boss babe in your mid twenties and saying, F all of this. I'm not going to do this. I don't need a man. I don't need kids. I don't need a family, all that stuff. Just think about the big picture and try and imagine yourself at 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, what do you want your life to look like in those stages? Do you want it to be a life of uh, loneliness? I certainly don't. And I, I hope more people take on that mentality. Again, strong individuals lead to strong families, lead to strong communities, lead to strong country. Um, so I think that boss wave culture is toxic. And to sum it up, I, I encourage you to make the choice to look at not not only the science, but look at the the lifestyle and the joy that comes with making certain lifestyle decisions. And uh, then I'll tell you, welcome to the light side, because I bet you you're going to want to have a lot of babies like me. <laughs> okay, somebody asked, are you moving out of Texas to some place with land so you can homestead? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, if you haven't seen my hashtags on social media, I I always like to post the hashtag, hashtag grind today, homestead tomorrow. And that's because I'm trying to grind and do whatever I can to, I'm just kidding, I will not do whatever I can. I'm trying to grind today and work really hard in order for me to be able to um, achieve property and a, a life of self-reliance away from the government. I started Young Americans Against Socialism two years ago, a nonprofit where we interview survivors from socialist countries. We have a weekly podcast where we interview survivors all the time. It's really cool. 
I'm a huge history nerd. So that is fulfilling work to me. But I am against socialism because it builds reliance on the government. Reliance on anything is dangerous because when you rely on that source, you're probably going to have to do whatever they ask you to do, whatever they force you to do in order to receive those same services and goods. So when the government becomes the only provider of very important things like healthcare, like food, like the time you can go to the grocery store, like your pension, like they become the only employer, which they do when they seize the means of production of the economy, that's a very dangerous thing because then they're able to say, you will do X, Y, Z in exchange for getting your health care, your life-saving health care. You will do X, Y, Z or you will not be allowed to go to the grocery store. In Venezuela, the government literally hands you a card that gives you the hour and the day of the week that you're allowed to go to the grocery store. That is the time you can go get food for your family. And guess what's on the shelves? Not a lot, okay? So I'm against socialism because it's reliance on the government. I believe in economic independence because it means that you can take care of yourself and you don't rely on anybody. So I started that in 2019. And for me, Emily and I at Young Americans Against Socialism, and I'll do a little teaser on this, we have become so enchanted with this idea of, okay, educating people about the dangers of socialism, the dangers of communism, the stories of survivors, all of the work that we do at the organization is almost like defense. It's equipping Americans with the information they need to block out the indoctrination, the propaganda, the lies. Basically, it's protecting them from the lies of the left. It's a defense because we cannot move forward until all Americans understand the danger of these ideologies. But how do we move forward in a long-term way? That means going on offense. And so that's why, if you guys haven't seen yet, we started an Instagram handle for it, and it's launching officially in November. But we started the Freedom Guide, and it's a new initiative under Young Americans Against Socialism, and it's our new way to go on offense. And what does it do? It's going to have education, action, and lifestyle as the three main buckets. Part of that is just the education that people need to be more aware. We are going to interview some really, really cool people that give you the information you need to go on offense in America, to understand the world around you, to become the best person possible. Because like I said, strong individual, strong family, strong community, strong country. Everybody needs to be working to better themselves. And it starts with bettering their knowledge. Action, you guys, I for, I'm like really deep into this, right? I speak all the time. I do all this stuff. I haven't realized how many of my DMs and requests are from people just asking me, how does one public speak? How does one understand when the school board meeting is? How does one un like uh, approach the school board? I have two minutes to talk. What do I say? How does one enter a conversation with someone that disagrees with them? And so action, when we hear people complaining on national TV all the time, our conservative movement, the, the movement in favor of America – we get a lot of flack for only complaining. And so I said, I talked to Emily and I said, if we're going to have an offense arm of this nonprofit, then we need to never complain or criticize or bring up a problem without countering it with an immediate solution. So we're going to have long-term solutions, but immediate action items, immediate ways that you can better yourself, immediate steps that you can take this day, this week, this year, that will help you, your community, and your country, and your family. So that will give like literally how-tos. This is what you literally need to do immediately on this subject. And we're going to break it down even to some of the more simple things. And this is what I love. There's a lot of corruption with like the FDA. There's a lot of corruption with what the government has approved in terms of what we're consuming. I mean, have you heard of the scandal of the lie that is the food pyramid, people? It's not good. So we're going to be doing things like literally just investigating the fact that everybody in America is consuming massive amounts of this dangerous and potentially cancerous sugar. What is our solution and what is our, our um, switch that you need to start implementing in your life? What is the, the change that you need to make on this so that you are not introducing this pretty toxic chemical ingredient, this pretty toxic ingredient into your body and your children's body stuff like that where we want you to know where the government has screwed you over and how you can build a lifestyle of freedom carrying that into lifestyle though 
If you have not heard of Ballerina Farm, then I have failed in my mission, okay? <laughs> if you have not heard of Ballerina Farm, then maybe you just don't follow me. But basically, I think maybe back in May or so is when I got introduced to Emily, Brett, and Addie. And they are they are life changers. I'm such a big believer, like, when you surround yourself with certain people, those people will become... Um, who you are in the future. Like that's you in five, in five years. Not only that, but like for me, that's me in five months. I met them back in May and they, they added me to this group chat and it's called the homesteaders group chat. And all of us have our, our dreams of, of getting our property, building our homestead because we're all very into independence and self-reliance. And we all are obsessed with ballerina farm. I think Emily was the first one to introduce us to the page, but it's this ballerina from New York city her and her husband met and married very quickly. Now they have, I don't know how many kids, like six. <laughs> they have like six kids. But either way, they moved out of the city and said, this is not how we want to raise our kids. And they have beautiful videos on it. Like their content is amazing. If you don't follow them, I've clearly failed. So you need to go follow them right now. Ballerina Farm on Instagram. They said, this is not how we want to raise our kids. So now they are farmers. They have their entire homestead in Utah. First of all, I had no idea that they were in Utah. Now that I live in Arizona, I'm like, I'm so close to Ballerina Farm. <laughs> it's so weird. I'm I'm weird about it. But all of our group chat, we love Ballerina Farm. And Emily and I were talking of like, Ballerina Farm inspires us to take the steps needed to achieve Ballerina Farm. Because everybody, whole group chat wants to achieve Ballerina Farm. But how do you do it? One of those first steps is inspiration. When we see her content, when we see her living out her values, when we see her just having the most beautiful family life and, and she'll include like the crazy noise of the kids in the background. So it's not just like this, like fun piano music, hiding it and making it look all artful and stuff. She shows the reality of it. The, the craziness of having all these kids in this, this smaller home. It's just amazing. And it's inspiring to me and the young women. And so Emily and I said, we need to bring an arm of this almost inspiring the american ideal again reigniting the flame making people excited about these concepts again instead of what pop culture says about family and kids and and living in more rural areas we're going to just start our own aspects that inspire that inspire people to want to achieve that lifestyle and then act on it so the lifestyle aspect of the freedom guide is going basically like ballerina farm with politics baby but i know i know that's like a silly description of it but it inspires me on a daily basis and if we can inspire more americans with wholesome happy quality content i feel like i'm doing my life's work with that alone so that's the freedom guide and I hope that we can get as many people as possible to start seeing the value in a lifestyle like this. So to answer that question of, are you moving out of Texas to get land for the homestead? That's my vision. My vision, you know, especially for all the young ladies out there. I, I know that there's guys that listen to this too, but it's, it's different when you're life planning as a woman. Okay. Um, to all the young ladies out there, I've said before in the boss babe culture podcast episode that I was able to see for a brief period of time, the corporate nine to five. And I said, hell to the no, this is not my life. I actually just saw a, t a TikTok, you know, like when they repost TikToks onto, um, onto Instagram as reels, I saw one and it was a woman in labor, nervous about calling into work saying that she was in labor and couldn't make it in that day. That is exactly what repulses me. That is why America's failing because that's what we're dealing with. She's nervous. Her, whoever her boss is, I'm sad that they made the workplace such a toxic environment and didn't promote the values of family. But that's, again, it's it's a poor leadership choice, if you ask me. I was repulsed by the 9 to 5 corporate structure, specifically with the impact it had on women that were trying to build a family or were engaged and were about to settle down or were married and were trying to get pregnant or were pregnant and were trying to stay at the office as long as possible before giving birth to the baby so they could spend three weeks with the baby um, before having to head back to the office under fluorescent lighting for nine hours a day um, and sending their kids off to, to daycare or public school. It was just it, I looked at it and I said, this is not the life for me. And I said, I will do whatever I can to make sure that I don't live that life. But what does that look like? So for the women out there and for men, 
try and imagine a, a list of five people that you would love to, to emulate one day. And then look into their life story. What decisions did they make? What changes did they make to their life? Did they have moments where they were at a fork in the road and they could have gone one way, but they went the next? I love to look at the mindset and learn about the mindset people were in that I love and look up to. I like to hear what the decisions were that they made in struggling times in times where they could have gone one way or the other how did they make that decision why did they make that decision and how did that decision impact where they are today that's really really important so for me I said I'm going to build I was 21 at the time I said I'm going to build a career where I don't need to ask permission from my boss to stay home with my child one day I I I will never put myself in a position where I am sacrificing family and children over some stupid nine to five corporate job where I can be a boss babe. That's why I do what I do. So I have a flag business. I make wooden American flags. I run a nonprofit, which that's not a big money maker, but it's, it's more so soul work, soul money, I guess. Like if it fulfills me, I have a bunch of media contracts where I get paid for my media. I have my podcast. I have properties and property, and I plan on renting out a lot more properties because for women and moms, having passive income with things like property rentals and ownership is really, really a good course of action. So that's what I thought. Now, I have my house in Texas. For me, I was presented with a great opportunity from Turning Point. They asked me to come host this podcast. For me, I really kind of want to end up in the West. I'm from upstate New York in the East. It's just, it's too sketchy with blue states. I want a deep red state. And so I have my house. My next property goal is to get a cabin or a remote location that's close enough to a travel location that I can Airbnb it and have it pay for itself. And then the moment I want to get to that, say the world goes to shit, the moment I want to start transitioning to that location I can immediately up and go. So that means I'm not going to be renting out this new location on a yearly basis. Tex- the Texas house is a, a yearly thing. It's it's in a year-long contract. This cabin, it would have to be short-term rentals so that it is my safe place to go if anything bad happens. It is my getaway. That's my next step. So I'm in Arizona right now because it was a smart career decision for me so that I can then get to that property-owning goal in a deep red state where I can start to actually build, um, for myself and my family. That brings up the next question. Okay. I'm back. I had to make a little hiatus pit stop, I guess. Would someone call it that? I had a news hit and I had to go film something. And what else did I do? In and out, in and out is speaking out against the tyrannical vaccination mandates. So I had to go support in and out. I'm like, I was joking because I'm always like, always read the ingredients before you eat something, before you buy peanut butter. Are you buying natural peanut butter? Are you using unprocessed sugar? Are you using bleached flour? Stop. Only eat whole foods. Only eat from local markets. And then I'm also like, today, you better be supporting in and out, people. I've eaten a lot of in and out in the last hour, but I'm back to film for the rest of the questions. Let's get back into it. The question was about, are you leaving Texas for a new piece of land where you will build your homestead? I had discussed some of the answers to the general question about like planning out that stuff. And now off of that question, another frequent question that I get from a lot of young ladies and young men and that I specifically know my friends and I talk about. So let's specifically think the homesteaders group chat, for example. Now, again, surround yourself with people that you want to um, take on traits of, uh, people that inspire you, people that you want to live like them and you want to be inspired by them for, for many years to come. I love the homesteaders group chat and they, they keep me, they honestly keep me grounded and I'm glad that they came into my life. One of our big questions that we have for each other a lot has been, um, we have these goals, right? All of us are, are successful so far and we're we're in our twenties and, um, we're growing our, our careers. We're growing in the work that we do. We're starting to, to make, uh, more money where we're able to start, you know, planning and investing and, and actually carrying out the visions that we have for our lives. So as we are given the capabilities of actually, implementing the visions and the plans that we have for our lives, 
we keep asking and and debating back and forth and talking about what the smartest move is of do we just move forward with our our property plans and with our our desire to live more off grid and a more you know independent lifestyle and and finding land and and actually building that little homestead that we dream of like ballerina farm do we start doing that ourselves now that we're kind of able to like do do should i act immediately or should I be waiting for my husband? And this is obviously a more conservative topic. I know some people don't care at all about this stuff and, and you're totally into like the modern dating scene and everything. But for us, we're definitely more conservative and we we're like, are we supposed to wait and just save up the money and then hope to find someone that wants to do the same things? Or are we supposed to start building the life that we desire and then we will meet somebody who aligns with that lifestyle? And we've come to the conclusion, my friends, that we are just going to start acting. We're not going to keep the money in our savings account for a potential down payment to combine with a future husband one day when we finally meet him. We're not worried about that. Instead, we've decided to live the life that we want to live. And by implementing these steps of the the plan and the vision that we have for our lives, we will meet somebody that aligns with that. And heck, if we've got to combine homesteads, if we've got to consolidate, whatever we got to do, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But focus on yourself, on bettering yourself and becoming the best person possible as an individual so that when you enter that phase of life, you are fully prepared and you are bringing value to the partnership. And so we've decided to move forward in our own personal plans. And that's a little scary. As somebody who's 24, I want to make sure that I'm being wise with my investments and my money. And I can't tell you how many people will talk to me who are maybe in like 29, 30, 31 age range, and they talk about how they really wish that they took on this mindset that I have and that my friends have a lot earlier in life because now they're looking back and they realize that when they did finally start to earn their own income, when they should have been being more responsible, when they should have been keeping an eye open for the investments, they missed out on those opportunities because they had their head in the sand. And so if you think about it like this of, of – the investments you make now as a young person, saving money and investing it wisely into something like potentially buying a house and renting it out, buying property and renting it out, whatever it may be, that could be in your future more freedom for you because it will turn into passive income in the future. So definitely consider that. And then for me now, I'm like, okay, so my long-term goal is to get this property. I'm doing this with the house. I've got my other work. How can I make the moves to actually step into that. And it, again, is really scary to do it as um, an individual, but it's it's going to be worth it. And I think my friend Emily had the best evaluation of this. She actually said something. She, i got to find it. Okay, so this was during the great debate in Homesteader Group Chat about should we just start implementing our plans and then meet some al- someone along the way? Or should we wait? and then hope to find someone that wants to do the plans with us. You guys know what resulted from that conversation now, but this is what Em said. She said, and yeah, we're going to have Ballerina Farm one day, but we're only going to have Ballerina Farm if we don't settle and if we accomplish our dreams and if we just keep making choices that take us there. And those choices are going to mold us into the people we were created to be. And the people we were created to be would have really great homesteading husbands. And we will attract that if we know who we are and stand to those values and to that core. And I think that's such a good idea. It's such a good focus because a a lot of these days we're like, oh, all the weak beta males and stuff like that. (laughs) Like like all these boys are just childish and they aren't good for the dating scene and they can't provide and, and, you know, weak men create hard times and we need strong men. Well, I I would say we can't expect a strong man to enter our lives if we are not going to also work to be the best woman that we possibly can be. So that's why I hope everybody, both sides of the partnership, have to work to better themselves and be the best they can be before they enter the partnership. And I think that that's really exciting for me because I'm like, cool, it's like a little mission to become the best. I was actually joking with Alex. We live together, and sometimes we do some weird things, like we were dancing in the kitchen. Slow dancing. Why am I sharing this? We were slow dancing in the kitchen – and it was like the middle of the night and we, we weren't sober. That's the, the funny thing of it. We were just practicing our slow dancing and the moonlight is coming in and our lights are on. And I was like, I wonder if somebody walking by would like 
be like, oh, look at that cute little lesbian couple, <laughs> like doing a midnight, a midnight dance in the kitchen. And then we were talking and she said something of like, Morgan, you're five feet tall and like I'm taller than you. And like technically, I guess that would make me more like if we were husband and wife, I'd be the husband in, in the figurative sense. But if we were actually in a situation of like having to provide for each other and having to be like in a family and in a home and like on a homestead, you would be the husband role because you are so prepared and you are like you you come across as so feminine and stuff, but you're also so prepared and so disciplined and so um, aware of everything around you and, and knowledgeable about this stuff. And so you would probably have to take on the husband role, even though you're the five foot tall short thing. And I, I thought that was fun. And I, I take that as a compliment. Thank you, Alex. And I love if Alex is listening, I love our midnight dance sessions as a as two straight women just learning to dance. <laughs> Okay, next question is about time management. A lot of people think that I get a lot of remarks and like, you're so energetic, you're doing so much. How do you do all this alone? What does your schedule look like? What is your timeline? So one of the questions is, what does your time management look like with multiple businesses, since on the news, travel slash speaking, home slash property renovations? Um, for me, I just love everything that I do. I, I don't feel like I'm slaving away. And so I just work strange hours, like yesterday, for example. I woke up around 5, 5.30. I love being a morning person. I love being a morning person and I love enjoying the morning. I'm not somebody that like enjoys having to wake up, rush to get out the door and feel like, oh, I've got to get right to work in that sense. Instead, I love naturally waking up around 5, 5.30 now. I had a stint where I kept waking up at 4.30 and I like sleep. I'm not somebody that's like, only get a few hours of sleep, hustle hard, people. No, I, I love sleep. I love feeling healthy. It's good for your body to get a healthy amount of sleep. So I go to bed early, which is how I do it. Like I'll be in bed at like 9. Um, but I usually wake up around 5, 5.30. I have my bathrobe. I usually have coffee ready for me in the morning. I listen to Amazing Grace. And I listen to Battle Hymn of the Republic. It's my, my morning routine to listen to those things. Maybe I'll do a, a little reading. But I have a big whiteboard. And so in the morning, I always... I'm in the mood to do work. You know, I'm, I'm not forcing myself, but my brain is like active on, on more creative things. And so what I'll usually do then is like a half an hour of whiteboard sesh work. And it's not just me doodling on a whiteboard. It's me visualizing the plans, long-term, short-term, trying to work on concepts for things, things that don't need to be put on a screen, but can instead like be written out and, and thought through. And this is another thing Alex noticed about me. She was like, when you write on your whiteboard, it's so concise, like it's so intentional, the words that you write. And she was saying how when she writes in her notebook, she's just like scribbling all these things and it takes up all these pages. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know, something in my head when I'm on, like in my whiteboard session mode, I will stand there and like think and think for, for maybe like 30 seconds and come up with a concept, write that down. So I'm only writing down a few things, but I'm trying to visualize like the, the arc of what I'm trying to achieve and how to actually get to the end goal. So I love a good morning whiteboard sesh. Um, I'm a morning workout person. And so morning workout, I usually do bar, Pilates, run. I like to get a lot of sun. I like to get outdoor time. And I because I'm always making content and stuff, I am looking at my screen way too much. And so if I don't have to look at my screen, I won't. I like to get a lot of sun and vitamin D. And so I'll do usually like a half an hour, an hour of running and walking and, and just kind of taking in the thing, usually a hike because there's a lot of hikes here in Arizona. And then I do about 45 minutes of bar Pilates and I'll share my workout one day because, um, a, a few of you guys have asked me about it. So I, I should also say though, none of my days look the same and I love that so much. Um, but I always keep a running list of what needs to be done and I categorize it by, um, by bucket. And so I've got young Americans against socialism now under that is our new initiative, the freedom guide. And so I keep those separate because they were, Honestly, the Freedom Guide is a different audience, first of all, than Young Americans Against Socialism. There are different marketing campaigns, different tasks that need to be done. And so I like to segment them out in my head and separate them. So I keep the to-dos under Young Americans Against Socialism, the nonprofit, the Freedom Guide, which is its initiative, which I hope to grow, um, Zegger's Freedom Flags, my property management, making sure that everything's handled there. And if I have any contractors going to the house to do any renovations and projects, I make sure that they're paid and everything with that. And then all my personal media stuff, um, 
all of those things have to be handled. I honestly think I need an assistant because that would be killer to help me out with everything, all the little paperwork and signing things and paying people and stuff like that. Um, but I keep that tab open with all my to-do lists and then I'm able to visualize my day of what needs to be done immediately versus what can be done by the end of this week. And that's how I, I pretty much go. And so none of my days look the same. It's just about completing different tasks. And then on top of that, there's also filming. And so my days are really structured. My weeks are really structured around the filming schedule, how many news hits I have that day, how many filming sessions, how many interviews. Um, I hate putting makeup on. And so if I'm going to have to put makeup on for an important news thing, then I will film (laughs) or I try to film all the other things for the rest of the day. Um, that being said, I'm just, I'm in this era now where I give myself so much grace. Like maybe I got really in the mood to work on a project early in the morning. Like yesterday I woke up at, at 5am and then did my usual morning routine and stuff. And at that point I would usually put my workout clothes on and I would usually get started with my workout routine and then I would be done and be ready to do my film for Newsmax. Uh, I go on every Tuesday at at nine ish. And for some reason, I was just super in the mood for this project that I was working on for uh, the Freedom Guide. And so I just, in my bathrobe, sat there at my desk from 6 a.m. to about 9 or 8.45. And then I just went and showered really quick with no workout. And I got ready for my Newsmax hit. And did I hold myself freaking feet to the fire for not working out that day? Absolutely not. Because I was just feeling like my, my body, my mind, I wanted to work on this creative outlet of this project. And so um, I, I don't shame myself for not sticking strictly to anything. But it's really, here's the thing, it's really important that you hold yourself accountable if you don't have a boss. If no one is telling you what to do, no one can discipline you, you have to find other ways to hold yourself accountable. For me, I really try and do that often. I'm a very disciplined person and I'm very anxious. And so if I don't feel like I'm achieving a lot, then I feel very stressed out because I want to always please people. And when I'm not pleasing people, I'm like... (laughs) I'm upsetting and offending everyone and I hate that. And so I try and find ways to hold myself accountable as my own little boss and and that's really how it works. The other aspect of that though is it might seem like I have a much more fun schedule than someone who does like a nine to five. But that being said, if you consider my hours yesterday, I was up, I rose at five, I'm at my desk at six and I worked the entire day, closed my laptop at 9 p.m finished my last call with Emily at 9 p.m. So there were no breaks in that day. I didn't feel tired, but it definitely it definitely is uh, uh, quite a strange work schedule. And so if you're somebody that would like something like that, then I welcome you to this life. On top of that, my last other thing is I try and save the weekends for um, – more creative work. I, like I said, I'm making content a lot and filming a lot. And so I've got these big, like I'm looking right now, these big, big freaking lights and they are blaring at me right now behind the camera. I've got three screens open that I can see my phone, my laptop, my, my iPad, and all of them are usually open to some sort of tab because I'm either editing content or researching or reviewing, uh, my staffers content, writing emails, whatever. There are too many screens in my life and I hate it. So on the weekends, especially when I I don't have to worry because nobody else is like working, nobody that works at like an actual company is usually looking at their emails. So I don't have to worry about the email stuff. I don't have to worry about reaching deadlines or meeting people or, or whatever. I can focus on more big picture projects and projects that focus on creativity and don't need a screen. So I have um, like a, a journal I have all of my books. I have any any research that I might usually read on, on the computer. I will usually print that out and then read the research on the paper form instead of looking at the screen to read it. And I'll take myself like to an outdoor area. So like there's a pool here. I'll sit outside by that on the weekends and just do the kind of work that I'm still achieving quite a lot, but I'm not looking at screens. And it this is so – I sound like a grandma when I say this or like a loser, but um, – it's almost like a treat for me on the weekends to get to do that kind of work because it fills my soul. It makes me really happy. 
And um, I feel like I'm also getting a lot done. And I honestly get so much done on Saturday and Sunday because I'm enjoying it so much. I'm not looking at my phone. I've been surrounded by nature and I'm doing passion projects. So I, I encourage you, if you feel like you're somebody that's waiting for the weekend, you hate to see Mondays, you call Sunday, Sunday scaries. I can't believe, why do we do that? I hate that we do that as a society of like waiting for the weekend and then we rush to make sure that we're waiting for Friday and then all of a sudden it's Sunday and we're feeling nervous with Sunday scaries and then it's Monday again and we're miserable and then Wednesday's hump day, blah, blah, blah. It's like such a sad way to live. So um, I I encourage you guys to challenge yourself after your work hours and on Saturday and Sunday, if you're someone in a more traditional work schedule, really try and push yourself to add passion projects and opportunities for growth via other forms of work and income to those hours of your day. Um, I know when I started Young Americans Against Socialism, I had a nine to five. It was the advertising job in Boston. And I would leave that job. First of all, my lunch hours were spent. I would go out (laughs) and go on to radio interviews and promote the nonprofit and try and get people to donate. And people would donate like $20 at a time. (laughs) And so obviously now we have a much bigger budget, but that's how I got started. I was trying to pitch it to local radio stations that I was a young person that I was going to interview young or I was going to interview survivors of socialist countries and try and teach my generation. And I would pitch it and then I would post the website or pitch the website in the interview on the radio and, and, uh, older Americans that, that were inspired by something like that and that were concerned would, would donate. So that's how we really got the word out. But not only that, I'd finish my day job and then I'd go home and for hours at night, I would be building the framework of the nonprofit. And it was as simple as like me writing the copy and building out the first initial website on like Wix.com. Um, just explaining what we were going to do and all this stuff. So I, am I a website creative person? Absolutely not. But it was just duty called, you know, I had to learn how to use a Wix website and actually build it out. So that's what I would do in my off hours. Um, but I challenge you to challenge yourself and all that. And honestly, discipline is the best thing, but also having grace for yourself and not like kicking yourself every time you make a little mistake or every time you don't work out, just try and hold yourself accountable and know that when you actually do partake in a very disciplined schedule and when you do hold yourself accountable, guess what? You're probably going to feel a lot better in life because you're going to be achieving more. You're going to be mentally and physically in a better position than you were when you were living in an undisciplined fashion. And I'm telling you right now, I've, I've done both ways of life. I love being more disciplined. I love being more high achieving and I love having a nonstop schedule. Bottom line. Okay. So I'll cap it off here. I'm going to finish my in and out now because we need to support companies and put our money where our mouths are. Um, I will say one last thing. I was just interviewing a woman today who escaped communist China um, and was thrown in their labor camps for quite some time, I think a full year. And she explained just how disgusting the labor camps are in terms of the torture and the beatings. And if you aren't being tortured and beaten that day, you are sent to work in the factories um, as a slave. And she explained just how many American companies use these cheap products. And so one thing I want to plant in your guys' head is really reconsidering as we enter the holiday season. And first of all, the Freedom Guide is going to give a lot of really good guidance and and, um, a good pathway for you on this to actually bring positive change here. I want you to really consider the mentality of quality versus quantity when it comes to items in our homes and our lives. The only reason most items that we get today in our lives, especially clothing and and electronics and stuff like that, the only reason they are so cheap is because the Chinese communist regime employs slave labor, forcing people that don't politically agree with them into political prisons, re-education camps, and then forcing them to work every day. The one woman that I interviewed explained that she worked making clothes and and sewing different things, and the quotas are so strict, and the requirements to reach those quotas are so strict that the women will be sewing, and if they ever have to go to the bathroom, they will stand up, still be sewing, still be working, still be working, walk to the bathroom, still work in the bathroom, 
and then they leave the stall and go right back to the thing. They don't even wash their hands because washing hands means taking 30 seconds out of their ability to reach their quota. I don't know what else it takes other than hearing firsthand testimony of what it's what is going on behind the scenes for products that are sold in America but made in China for you to want to change your habits as a consumer and never buy from China again. This is why I get frustrated. People like me and anybody else out there who cares, we should not have to convince you, convince Americans to care enough to stop buying products made with slave labor. Did I say that clear enough? Was that, was that obvious enough? What happened morally in America where we now, not only is it, okay, we need to stop the slave labor, but first we have to just make Americans aware of the fact that it exists. And even though they now know that it exists, for the most part, many people still don't, People know that it exists, know that most of the stuff they're buying is made with slave labor in some way, and they still buy it. How do you change a heart in that situation? I don't know. I don't know. If you want to make that decision, then go ahead. But I'll tell you what, and I hope you guys feel the same as me, I'm not buying from China ever again. If I do, it was on freaking accident. Everything I buy will be intentional from here on out. Everything. And as we enter the holiday season, it's it's strange how we're in this culture of like, <laughs> like you know, people say like, bring back the me, the reason for the season and stuff like that. Like, yeah, how do we preserve tradition and culture and heritage in America? Because right now corporations and the greed that we have and the materialism and the, the obsession with that that we have is just so out of control. Why do we give people... On Jesus' birthday, I understand the tradition of presents, but why has it gone so far as to now we fill the entire floor of living rooms on Christmas morning with cheap shit presents made in a communist regime with slave labor that they are forcing to make and then beating the next day, switching back and forth between beatings and slaved labor to try and re-educate them to support the communist regime? And I get a lot of people that'll tell me, Morgan, I look at the prices of, of clothes that are made in America and, and products made in America and handmade things made here, and they're just too expensive. I can't afford it. And it's like, honestly, these items aren't expensive. They are the normal price for what it costs to pay for something that's made ethically. You're not buying things that are correctly priced because they are priced without including the cost of labor. Because it's slave labor that is free, and then all the profits are going to the communist regime, the CCP. To me, if you spend more money on a fewer amount of items that are going to last many years, that were made by an American, that put their time and heart and money and energy into to create this product, and you're paying them for the service of creating that product, that's a pretty fair exchange. Sounds pretty good. It seems like an investment in the proper way of life in America. So I, I hope that you consider that. For, for everybody who's worried maybe their kids are expecting more presents, maybe have a talk with them about it. Maybe have a, a conversation with your family and say, you know, for too long we have gone down this path both as a family as communities, as a country. And we've gotten completely away from the original intent. Not only that, but we are really going against the intention of the holiday and the intention of Christianity by supporting this mentality and mindset around materialism. And not only that, but most of these materials are coming from a very unethical source. So I, I hope you guys consider that. I'm, I'm going to really try and be intentional with everything that I buy over the next few months as we enter the Christmas season. Everything will be from a small business, an American business, and everything will have more meaning, not necessarily uh, more flash or, or a higher value 
in terms of like the actual cost, the money amount, because everybody's like, oh, I spent this much money, all this stuff. Who cares? I believe in meaningful presence, intentional presence, and um, I'm, there are plenty of places to find those. So we're going to provide um, some resources from using the Freedom Guide soon, but just keep that in mind and really consider how you want to have that um, conversation with your family if you're interested in making that change in your own life. But I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for the Q&A sesh, the Ask Me Anything sesh. Maybe I'll do more of these. Let me know if you liked it. Um, but leave a five-star review and say this is the best podcast you ever freaking heard in your whole stinking life if you if you like me. Thank you so much and have a great week, weekend. Bye. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.